0: I hope you slept all right We've got a long, hot summer day
1: Amount
2: of water is the largest collection of superpowered individuals
3: from volcanoes all across the Amazon.
4: The worst, most violent quake they had ever felt. The amount of water. Why were we not warned? This is an epic event of biblical proportion. A vortex of magical energy. Cars have been swept up. Reports that the Baxter building has millions are dead.
5: What happens next? I don't really give a damn what you think about this whole uh, ultimatum event was all about. You want to tell me it was some people playing gods, having secret plans, alternate universes? I'll tell you that sounds like bullshit right there. They might have caused this over something higher than my pay grade, but that ain't what I think about when they talk about it. I know exactly where I was before the wave hit. I was riding back on the end train after an early shift. I was listening to music, not really being in the moment. There were some teens in the car... They were talking about something or the other, then the storm hit. Like, I remember that wave coming out of nowhere. It was just a bit of rain at first. Then the wave came, the streets were flooded. Well, they're more like rivers. Flooding is when your legs get wet. This water was reaching over buildings. Cars were getting washed downtown. I've seen floods, and this was way worse. After it hit, I was trying to figure out what just happened. Suddenly, this wafer thin girl grabs this scrawny boy and drags him through the roof of the train. Everybody was staring at the storm, missing what was happening at the car, but not me. I was glued to my seat. A few minutes later, this girl comes back down the ceiling and I see Spider Man swinging off to the rescue. When she comes back, people start getting angry. They start to get back in, they start yelling at her, they call her a mutant. Now, I don't have a problem with mutants personally, some of them are fine. And you get shitty people in any group if it gets big enough. Luckily, her friends are sticking up for her. At the time, we had no idea what caused the wave or how big it was. It could have been mutants. It could have been something else. Who knows? Uh, Instead of getting angry, though, instead of fighting or whatever, they start calming everybody down. They start moving us to safety on the roof of a nearby building, and we wait until the water dies down. I waited a bit afterwards because I wanted to thank them. Then one of the teens punched the other one who was floating around. There was some yelling, fighting. The group had to pull them apart. It was something I didn't want to be a part of. So after the floated one headed off to, I don't know, float some more people to safety, I left without saying a word. But that was it. These teens had their problems. There was a crisis. They squashed their beef, put aside everything to resolve that crisis and help us get to safety. I have no idea if they got home I don't need to know who they were, because, you know, I love my boy Spider-Man. But if they hear this, I want them to know that I'm grateful, because I'm still alive thanks to them.
3: Listen, I don't really want to do this right now, but you went to the trouble of tracking me down, so I guess I can talk. When I got these powers, I wanted to be in the spotlight. And for a while, I was. It was great. And I realized if you stay under it for too long, you start to burn. Who you were dries out, and you're like a mummy. Is, is that how they make mummies? Uh, that's not important. Anyway, after everything that happened, I've just been burnt out. <laughs> that's not meant to be a joke. I'm not Spider-Man, but I heard that. I'd seen a future where I died and Sue took over everything. I saw villains come after us to kill us all. A weird alien spore thing tried to breed with me. It was taking a toll, and I'd had enough. I was trying to find the right girl to date, and that wasn't even working. I didn't know what I wanted, except I didn't want to date someone just because she was hot and famous. That never worked out, because I tried a lot. I wanted to date someone to be happy being with them, like, just to want to do things with. Not, like, go to red carpet events and parties, but to do nothing. Like, is that a thing? I've been on a break since this happened, and I'm trying to answer my own questions more than anything. When it happened, the wave, I was back at the Baxter building. Dad was, I mean, he was criticizing me for everything I wasn't doing. He was just coming down hard on me, asking when I was going to be something, like Sue was. And the next thing I know, he dives at me, and saves my life as that wave comes in. He saved my life. I mean, that was it. One minute, he's there, asking me to be a better man. The next minute, he's dead and floating in the water. The shock hit me for a second. Like, I took in everything going on, and I made a break for it. There wasn't a villain announcing they were doing this. There wasn't a single target with, like, a, a, a laser sword. It's one thing to fight, like, evil tyrants. It's another to lose your family all of a sudden. Had no point. Just see it all vanish in an instant. So, I had to catch my breath for a second.
6: Well, I can't name names as a matter of public record, but at the time, we had a new lead on the Spider-Man case. Spider-Man, while he has saved lives, is a vigilante who has repeatedly, with malice or without, interrupted ongoing police and federal operations. Uh, there is a standing in that order to arrest him. Some precincts ignore this because they see him as a hero. Me personally? Well, I've had cases that he interrupted. He webbed up some undercover agents on an accident. He's also faced things that the police force is utterly unable to handle. It's complicated. Through a local school, we had a solid lead to identify Spider-Man and brought in a person of interest to ask some questions about an hour before what is colloquially known as the Ultimatum Wave. The person of interest was uninterested in answering questions. When I brought up a prior, she, sorry, sorry, they demanded an answer. When the wave hit the city, the entire town went into a blackout. The power stations were destroyed this old this person of interest stayed in the interrogation room as we ran out and went to help other civilians in the streets we're here to protect and serve as members of new york city's finest when we suddenly have tankers outside the 103rd precinct people trapped in buildings supersede the spider-man case i headed out with my partner to rescue people before long the person of interest came out and to help as well. I don't know if they're related to Spider Man, but if they're doing what they can to help in this situation, it means something. It doesn't make up for every purpose who because of Spider Man interfered with like the case, but it was something. In the chaos my partner ended up getting stuck when a bodega fell onto her, and the person of interest helped to escape the rubble. Moments later a foam pull almost falls on the both of them, and another spider person says both of them, says something to the person of interest, swings away. Now we could go in and bring in the person of interest again. They fled the precinct. Still I wanted for questioning and connection, Spider Man, but there's more out there. They aren't as far as I know robbing Banks, and if you give a little bit of sauce to people who are helping out, well, that means a lot.
7: If someone tells you that a former dead student is back and living, I'm not going to accept it. This wasn't a kidnapped child, because while that's a headache, this was a child who we had a memorial and a community counseling session for. So if that now alive student goes to a school where Spider-Man is found, your school where a former X-Man is attending, when another student left to join the X-Men, and where there's a major incident weekly, I am not going to accept it. I know who Spider-Man is, and if I weren't worried about them coming after me, I'd say it here for the record. The police almost arrested Spider-Man before the ultimatum wave hit because someone raised too many red flags for me. Trying to re-enroll a dead student, and I did my job. I'm supposed to look after kids, and if Spider-Man is bringing supervillains to the school, I need to get rid of Spider-Man. You understand that, right? I reported the information I had to the police and they went to make an arrest of some people of interest. The case got called on account of the ultimatum attack, and the school almost got destroyed. That's how it goes. I can't barely even do my job now. I mean, if one more thing goes wrong, I'm quitting.
8: My powers were something that redefined who I was, and I'm still not sure how I feel about that. I went from living in Chicago to having my life threatened at the Xavier School as a mutant. To moving to Midtown Manhattan of all places. <sighs> my name is Kitty Pride, and I was an X-Man. And I am still a mutant. At the time, some normal friends who I'm not going to name and I were on the end line, heading to just hang out. You know? The ultimatum wave swept in, and I did what I could to help people. Because that's what I got called to do. Even though I'm not an X-man anymore. You know. (laughs) Great power and responsibility. Once everyone was safe, I went out to try and do more to help people, and yeah... That included Spider-Man, who I used to date, and yes, before you ask, I'm not saying who he is. We aren't together anymore, and it's none of your business. So anyway, while I'm out there, the professor sends everyone a message asking for help to stop Magneto. That was one thing I didn't miss about being an X-Man, An old man getting in your thoughts all of a sudden.
9: My name is Bobby Drake, and I'm an X-Man. I was the dreamboat on the team with the ice powers. You know, the Iceman. At the time when the wave hit, I wasn't even in New York City. I was out at the school where we ended up getting the news on the TV. And I mean, when you have a telepath on the team, you get things fast. I found out that Allison, Hank, and Kurt had died in the wave... Allison had been in that band, Dazzler. She had tats, and she didn't like me. Hank was like a big, nerdy brother who could still beat you in football, but he died before, so it kind of took the sting out. Kurt was able to teleport and scare the shit out of you if you bumped into him in the dark, and he tried to kidnap Dazzler and then ran a mutant supremacist group when he got outed for being homophobic, but like all of a sudden, they died in the city. So we headed in to look for survivors and saw they were for sure dead. Or, I mean, they could be waiting and hiding. Like, I really still don't believe what happened happened. I saw Professor Xavier get disintegrated, and he came back. Angel got murdered, and he came back. Angel was actually there when the wave hit, and only he had survived. And suddenly Gene tells us that someone had killed Xavier back at the mansion. It was madness. And the fact that it was Magneto who killed him was even worse, because that meant fighting.
2: (sighs) Daredevil saved my life, and I don't even think he ever knew how. At the time, I was working minimum wage in McDonald's in Hell's Kitchen, and I'd been there for years. Management wasn't really giving raises. Enough of the staff was illegal, so nobody wanted to risk complaining. I should have quit, but it was easier to just struggle and sink in deeper. Then, one day, out of the blue, Daredevil comes in and finds the manager and drags him out by his polyester tie. The tie ripped pretty quick, which fascinated me. It turned out he'd been smuggling drugs through the store. The police were also getting a payoff. They ended up chasing Daredevil, but he'd left evidence that a news reporter who just happened to be there went and published. Suddenly, the franchise gets a cleanup, and I get promoted to manager. This was about a month before the wave hit. So, the storm comes rushing in, and I run to lock the doors. The water is seeping in, the pressure hitting the glass. We all headed in, trying to barricade it more and more with what we could. We don't really get flood training, but I figure stop the water, get to safety, and just wish there was a second floor. And I'm realizing if Daredevil hadn't shut down the old manager, we'd have been dead. He never really worked up front, and he would have had the keys. So he wouldn't have heard us screaming, and we all would have probably drowned. Well, the water receded, and we got to leave a few hours later. Uh, Later on, I heard that Daredevil died. He'd been a lawyer who worked to fight for the justice in the system, too. He'd been trying to shut down the manager without any success. Through his own legal channels, but Daredevil did what needed to be done. He saved my soul, my spirit, and I guess my body, so I could save others.
10: I have, on multiple occasions, seen Hank Pym's dick, and I have never been happy to see it. It's not the worst I've seen of him, though. Hi. I don't really want to give my name here, but I have had extremely bad luck regarding Hank Pym's dick, especially his dick. And he's been large. Way back in high school, I saw it when he got bullied. Like the jock stole his clothes and it was embarrassing for everyone because nobody needs to have that happen. Then early on when he was testing the giant man formula, he had to transform nude. And I saw that. I was doing server work. I was just walking by the testing lab and bam! Giant Hank Pym's dick is out there. I decided that coincidence was enough, so I left New York to head out to the English countryside for a break. I had a nice day reading and listening to the sea. Apparently Hank Pym was in England fucking his wife on a nearby hill, and then he got huge, and I saw his dick again. I left the vacation early because it was a coincidence. He had to have better things to do than showing his dick to me. I went back to work and he got taken off the Ultimates. so one night I'm heading out to get some Korean food when I turn down an alleyway and I see him trying to stop some guys. He gets big, I see his dick again. It makes the paper this time, but it ain't fucking newsworthy. And at this point, I know the size of his dick. I know the shape of his dick. It is seared into my memory at this point and it is tearing apart my life. Like it's an earworm, but mentally I just picture his giant dick at random times and I can't stop thinking about it. When the wave came through, I figured, oh, great, this new trauma is going to be its own thing. Yeah, I won't be able to handle rain anymore, but I won't have to keep thinking about Hank Pym's dick at random hours. I won't have to tell a psychologist I got Hank Pym's penis traumatic stress disorder. And then, as I'm walking in the rubble, I see it. In that new dumbass yellow jacket costume, shouting for his ex-wife, and then I see this big fat fucker eating a woman, and I'm pretty sure that guy's eating Hank's ex-wife because Hank Pym reaches down and bites the head off the dude, like Hank Pym, American superhero and literal big shot, just straight eats a dude, and Hawkeye is there with his arrow guns or whatever and doesn't stop it. It's like, oh, I'll defend my bro eating a dude who is eating his ex, but like. That's something I can be fine being traumatized by. Being eaten by a giant fucker? And Hank grabs his wife's corpse and fucks off back to his base for the Ultimates or whatever, and I'm relieved. I found out that my house got destroyed, but whatever, I'll deal with that shit. And so I figure I'll try and walk by the shore and see if I can find someone, like a police officer, to get me to an evacuation zone. And you know what I fucking see? Do you know what I fucking see? Hank Pym has a bunch of guys climbing all over him and he's running out to sea. Suddenly, the fucker explodes. Guts and gore start raining down like a meat firecracker because I found out later all those fuckers on the big Hank Pym were suicide bombers. And I'm like, well, this is a relief. I never need to see Hank Pim's cock again. And then suddenly, out of the sky, raining down, his fucking exploded cock right
1: in front of me. My name is Zarda, and I am also known as Power Princess, and I have witnessed much on your version of Earth. My home Earth was different. Where our heroes were the Squadron Supreme, yours are the Ultimates. After the criminal Nicholas Fury was sent to my Earth due to the crimes that he committed, I came to yours to observe it. I found much to enjoy and sought pleasure where I could, within the boundaries of the law, as advised by Captain America." There are some things that cannot be rivaled on this earth, and having the Hulk as a sexual partner is one of them. More recently, I had been aligned with the one called Dr. Doom, whose collaboration with Nicholas Fury led to massive destruction on my world. Doom had planned many years ago to rule the world, as they had deemed themselves the rightful leader. But their tight fist led them to lose everything. It was by the machinations of Doom that Magneto's children were murdered by the invention Ultron that was the false child of the ultimate Hank Pym, also known as Giant Man, Ant-Man, and at the time, Yellow Jacket. He had taken the final moniker from Ultron, who sought to replace all life with robots, and had in turn killed the Affirmation children of Magneto, Quicksilver, and Scarlet Witch. Why an abuser such as Pym was not sentenced to death for his numerous crimes is beyond me as is why he was allowed to construct artificial life. In his anger over the loss of his children, Magneto sought to destroy the world by reversing the magnetic poles, which caused millions of deaths. A
11: lot of the time, people wonder if I'm ready to go out and punch some bozo who's causing trouble. And I am. I'm not a fan of bozos causing trouble. It ain't that I get out of bed raring to go, but more often, some guy with a laser is gonna step too far. About a week before the wave hit, we'd had a warning that brought us out to Project Pegasus. I can't speak too much about it for a number of reasons. Basically though, it's the place SHIELD puts things they ain't sure how to deal with. All sorts of egghead gizmos, mystic talismans, alien things. They got us out because there's this pole eye thing that started appearing everywhere. Reed and Susie got called out to investigate it, and pretty soon she's turned into a conduit for this thing called Wado. Now, uh, Apu, Wado maybe, this thing says it's a watcher, it says something big is gonna happen. To me, this ain't different than the last month fighting Salem 7. Of course, a week later when the ultimatum wave rushes through while I'm trying to work out, I got an egg in my face. Sometimes I wonder if I'd done something more. Wondered what could be. If we could have done something to stop it all. We'd been busy though, fighting ourselves from the future. And and heck, they warned us about this ultimatum too. Not what it was, just it was gonna be a test. Would I have done things different if I would known what it was? For sure. Of course, One thing I should have done ages ago also comes to mind, but this ain't Benjamin Grimm sharing regrets about time travel. So Susie uh, sees the wave and she goes out with Reed and does everything she can to make this wall to hold it back with a force shield and she's got it for a second, but then it drops and she goes down. Reed at the time drops her off at the building and he's seeing red. I'm down on the street on account of sinking like a stone in the sea when the water rushed through the Baxter building. I get in with Susie being rushed for medical care. find out Doc Storm, Susie and Johnny's dad, is dead. And the matchstick himself is missing. I start watching Susie in the med ward when suddenly the whole place starts to turn invisible while she's asleep and blasting me out the window. Now... There's one thing I've known since I was growing, since since I knew Reed, it's how to take a hit. You don't get to college with a football scholarship without it. So I keep kicking and get back up because I gotta save her. I just owed her. When I get back to her room, Mary, Susie and Johnny's mom who faked to death to study Atlantis, is in there. She wants to help. I think it's a bit late for apologies, but she realizes we need more help because Susie's in danger and the rest of us. We head out to track down Mole Man, Artie Molkovic, who used to teach at the Baxter Building. Ends up we gotta make a stop in Oregon for help tracking with Crazy Josie's help. She and her friends got kicked out of the school when Reed took over as Golden Boy. They live underground making super science and raising giant monsters. She's got a thing for Susie, so we all head out and find Mole Man in the San Andreas Fault. His people are fighting flame people since Magneto messed up the Earth's poles. Pretty soon, I'm doing what I do best and I tackle the king of the fire people till his flame goes out. And initially, Molkovic is hesitant. He doesn't want to help, saying us surface folk get what we need until Susie gets mentioned and then he's practically piloting the ship back to New York.
12: My name is Josie Hart, and I am the leader of the Think Tank. We are, politically, the escapees of the government war machine that fueled the Baxter Building Project, where we were initially recruited to build and design in a structured and controlled environment. Of course, when Reed Richards risked the lives of everyone on the eastern seaboard just to cut holes into space because he had some infantile obsession with it, everyone who wasn't dead or transformed by his garbage science was moved out to Oregon. Shortly after that, we were abducted by the Mole Man, our former professor, who tried to bend us all to his will. With my leadership and help from some of the Fantastic Four, we took over his subterranean kingdom and developed our own space to experiment on things that were not designed to be weaponized and that didn't need to be commercially viable or functionally safe. I've interacted with the Fantastic Four since then, Actually, about a month before, an alien egg hatched in the caves and attempted to reproduce using Johnny Storm's body heat. That was dealt with, using the correct amount of science that Susan Storm helped with. But to say that I, and by association my partners, Gus, Phineas, and Sunita, are some ragtag group of scientists, are subservient to the Fantastic Four, and the military-industrial complex, you would be incredibly mistaken. I am frequently concerned because Reed Richards is an egotistical, emotionally vapid, and ultimately inhuman monster, and I mean before he was transformed. His science comes at costs that far exceed the gains he makes, and honestly he hasn't produced anything of note since ruining the lives of his friends. He's made weapons that are less cost effective than most of the people in the military industrial complex. Oh, and he made a cube that an alien implanted designs for into his mind? That isn't anything important. And if you ask what cube, he used it to remove your memories of what happened. He also allowed millions to die, and that was just for a cube. Honestly, I have no idea what Sue saw in him, or why they were together so long. When Benjamin came looking for help finding Wallman to save Sue's life, we were more than happy to help, especially since Reed was off at the time consorting with people who kill millions to try to gain power. I'm talking about both Nick Fury and the person pretending to be Dr. Doom. Anyway, the reversal of Earth's magnetic poles had caused major shifts in Earth's tectonic plates, which had moved Mole Man and his Animan towards Lavaman territory near the San Andreas Fault Line which in turn caused territorial wars that fungus-based animen are ill-equipped to handle. Using his brawn and our science, Benjamin was able to take out the leader of the Lava Men, allowing Mole Man to return with them to the Baxter Building to perform microscopic brain surgery on Susan. And I would have gone too, but on the way out, Phineas had forgotten to lock up the monsters, and we had our own cleanup to take care of. Oh, and nobody died as a result of that, Richards.
0: If it weren't for Magneto attacking us every time before, we wouldn't have been ready this time. I joined with S.H.I.E.L.D. because the benefits were good, and I figured, like, if I ever got to know Tony Stark, he'd tell me, Hey, you seem cool. Have a suit. Be a hero like me. Instead, it was more of him coming in after we had to stop his enemies from killing us again. He tells us, You guys are the real heroes. Tony Stark, being a working class hero, doesn't pay enough of my freaking bills, you know? We actually had the Ultimate wave pass through the Triskelion. Like, I remember walking towards the doors because I was going to smoke when I saw the wave coming. And every window in the place barricaded shut. We learned to prepare for this. Like... Not a single supervillain escaped, and we had some nasty ones inside at the time. Like just some really twisted freaks that leave you up at night. So the barricades come down after like 30 minutes, and Carol Danvers is on our ass to figure out what's going on. And we all get stuck on watch until she gets her fucking answers. Tony Stark flies in and drops off Iron Man. We send out our giant men and our hero squads and I get stuck guarding the last place people are likely to be coming to. Turns out, though, Magneto sent a bunch of copy men to try and kill all of us. One of his mutie freaks just makes copies of himself and whatever he's wearing so there's this infinite army of the same guy trying to blow up the Triskelion. Iron Man and Hawkeye pop on to help and then I see the big guy, uh, Yellow jacket. What an asshole. Come across the river. He throws his wife to Iron Man, tells him to run a program, then scoops up all the clones he can, and lets them explode him. Like, that's a dumb plan. And he died. I mean, if he didn't want to deal with everything he'd done, it makes sense, but the guy was making a comeback. And then he died. He's like a dumbback. Especially since... A few minutes later, the remaining army just up and vanished. Anyway, once the dust settles, I get off after what felt like a two day shift. I come back the next day, and they're installing anti riot weaponry on the Triskelion in case it happens again.
13: I am Valkyrie, and verily do I serve on the ultimates. Once, I too was a mortal till I was found worthy and granted the power of the gods. Thor and I soon found ourselves entangled in a ferocious love that was stronger than death. My tale doth begins at the mansion of Tony Stark, verily, whereupon Thor and I were entangled in a ferocious match of wits once more. Thor and I heard with the senses of the gods That which the other mortals did not. The restlessness of the others. Tony Stark turned to drink. Captain America to serve. Hank Pym sought to once more verily restart his career as the Yellow Jacket with advice from his teammates, the Wasp and Hawkeye. Suddenly, though a wave of mighty force did sweep into the mansion, clearing out all who dwelled within it. Janet the Wasp did vanish into the city. Iron Man was forced to save Captain America, and chaos had been introduced, for I too was swept and found myself verily dead upon the base of Lady Liberty. Thor, my love, did face down Hela, goddess of death herself and vowed to fight an army for my return. And while his strength and endurance is powerful indeed, it was not enough. But luckily Captain America was there, also battling in the eternal battlefield of Verily. When their opposing army was defeated, Thor demanded my hand and it was returned lifeless. Angered, Thor demanded my life be returned. And Hela demanded one to stay. And Thor, being the most giving person, surrendered his life so that I could live again along with Captain America. Uh, s- sorry. I just needed a moment. I woke up, and I heard Thor was dead, as Captain America did the same, to find out Janet was dead as well, and I felt worried for the first time. Death came to gods and heroes. It was, like, super common. There were dead heroes we couldn't prevent, only avenge, like that's not what I wanted to do. But the fate of this world lay in our hands, but the fate of this world lay in the hands of the remaining heroes, and we vowed to fight with our greatest ferocity at the Black Heart of Magneto.
14: My name is Reverend William Stryker, Jr., and I have a message for you from the Lord. When the Lord gives you a crisis, it is to test how you use the gifts that he has given you. The ultimatum wave was God's will, and though he may have been a madman, Magneto was correct in his statement that his will was the same of that, the Lord our God. Through the destruction that Magneto has caused in this world, the Lord has stripped the scales from my eyes and united me with my brethren to work to accomplish the destruction of all mutants for the glory of the Lord. My father, Admiral William Stryker Sr., had a right idea, but was undone by those mutants who had infiltrated every level of the government to prevent him from doing the righteous work. So, when the Lord through his tool Magneto destroyed my family, but spared me from their fate, he did it that I might unite those who seek to not die at the hands of this mutant abomination, but that I might save the lives of the humans in the world. When my family died, I foolishly sought to find peace with the mutants, thinking that it might spare me further pain and a life of subservience to these abominations. But that was until the Lord did reveal that the pain would continue as long as mutants existed. I was granted the righteous weaponry required to make myself equal to the self-proclaimed mutant gods that I might send them back to the hell that they truly belonged in. A congregation of true believers has followed me, and we visited the school of Charles Xavier and killed as many of those mutants that we could find. Ultimately... We were halted, and only I survived. Those other true believers became martyrs to the cause of the Lord that I share with you now. The mutant is an abomination to be removed from this planet at any price, and in our struggles they will see the evil that they bring. Thank the Lord. Amen.
15: After the wave hit, I went to Central Park because I hoped that people would be there. People I couldn't find couldn't reach on the phone. I was trying to find my brother. When I got to Central Park, though, I saw a church tent was set up and one of those leaders was there talking about hope and faith. I prayed in emergencies before, so I felt this was part of that tradition. I listened and I saw a man struggling with the same events that I was struggling with, too. His family had died and he'd been unable to do anything. And then after the service, some guy in a ball cap told him they were going to kill mutants for revenge, for causing the wave, and I suddenly saw the preacher's eyes filled with hate. I followed them out, and the ball cap guy has this pickup truck full of those sentinel parts from when they were hunting down mutants. The preacher touched those machines, and he started talking about cleansing fire and killing all of the mutants for the glory of God. One of the others saw me staring, and I ducked away. The police were busy, and I didn't know what I could do then. Prayer definitely didn't seem like it was going to do much. Next thing I knew, the man, the man I now know as Reverend Stryker, went to go and kill people at the Xavier School for Mutants. A school of mutants who'd come to save this city time and time again. I mean, they saved the world! That's messed up. That's not God's plan, or that's not the right God. I'd lost my brother when the metro got flooded. I didn't know he was dead for sure for another 3 months when they got around to draining the tunnels. But on that day, I also lost touch with God, and I wasn't the only one.
16: I understand that this needs to be recorded and as the only person who was there to witness the events, I, Jean Grey, formerly of the X-Men, offer this confession. I found out about the flood because there was a massive blast of psychic energy, just millions of people dying. That's something they don't talk about very often with psychic abilities. If there's some overwhelming emotion, you feel it. And here it was fear, just encompassing. I knew instantly searching that three of my friends had died and I was powerless to do anything, which is what hurt me the most. Weeks ago, I had the powers of a literal God, and they were taken from me. I had tried to return the dead to life. I had undone the effects of time itself. And when I tried to talk to my dead dad, a man whose attention I'd wanted so much growing up, he told me to go back to living and to fight someone. Imagine that, your daughter crosses literal heaven and hell to find you in the afterlife and you don't make time for her. And that power started to ebb, and soon I was back to normal levels. So when I saw Angel, when I saw Warren, with the woman he loved in his arms, and I couldn't bring her back the way I'd returned him to life, I was afraid. Xavier died shortly after, murdered by Magneto, the man who had once been his friend. I never understood that relationship, but I only saw them interact at the end, and it was never friendly. One of the biggest things I saw was Xavier try to physically save his friend by removing Magneto's identity. It's a ship of Theseus problem. If your friend loses all of his memories and how he knew you, is he really your friend? We got back to the mansion to find that Reverend Stryker Jr. was laying waste to students. Rogue had gotten angry at our inaction and assembled her own team of people, including John Wraith, a man who once captured our entire team and forced us to kill for the government. Why she went back to him is beyond me. I just have never had the luxury of understanding her. Magneto's plan included the murder of every mutant who was not on his side, and that meant sending in swarms of suicide bombers to attack us. They were all clones of one Jamie Madrox, a hive mind that was so complicated that I struggled to control them. We split into two teams with my team attempting to save the Morlocks in the sewers below New York City, and the other heading to the Academy of Tomorrow, where Scott's brother was. It was too late to save any of them.
9: So when we left the school to head downtown, a bunch of religious nut jobs attacked, killing a bunch of students. And meanwhile, Rogue left because she wanted to go kill Magneto and needed to get people to do that. Rogue teamed up with Vindicator, who was actually Wraith, who was part of the Mutant X program that tried to force us to kill people for the government back in the day. He apparently got power from still using Banshee, and she did her best to force Sabretooth and Juggernaut to join her crusade instead of working with Magneto. Apparently she just beat them up till they joined. They got the call that the mansion was under attack by the religious guys, and also multiple men with suicide vests were there. Like, I got most of this stuff secondhand. So Rogue's team shows up, and most of the X-Men died, along with, like, a lot of the students, except for Firestar, which is good because she was, like, the one girl on the team who I didn't date yet. So somehow one of the religious guys kills Juggernaut, even though his power is not being able to be stopped. And Rogue Revenge kills everyone else except Striker, which is weird because he started the whole thing, get rid of the asshole in charge, you know? That's when we get back there, and Jean takes charge because Magneto's got more multiple men showing up to fight. So Scott, Cyclops, Rogue, and I went to the Academy of Tomorrow, which was where the people who weren't good enough for our school went. They got exploited by multiple men, but there were more multiple men there. So Rogue copied the multiple men power, and she had an army of multiple rogues but it turned out that if you have multiple men powers and you knock out the boss, the clones go away. Wolverine had gone to the Savage Land to do that and apparently got it done because all of the multiple men went away. I never found out more than that. I've lived in Greenwich for my entire life.
4: My parents moved out there to be a part of the West Village folk scene. I mean, I've always been more punk, but, like, we all got to figure out where we're going to break with our parents, and for me, it was music. Not that I didn't appreciate what they had to offer me. I grew up working in their record store, got exposed to all kinds of music, and it it was successful. But I just can't have another identical hour-long conversation about Dave Van Ronk. I was in the shop when the wave hit, uh, up in the attic looking for an unpeeled Velvet Underground Nico that we'd had stashed back there that a customer wanted. And those people keep us in business, and no disrespect to Lou Reed, but, like, would it kill you to listen to something new? So, the wave just hits, and I hear it slam on the side of the store. The glass breaks because someone's Volkswagen gets carried through, and I see the water rising in the stairs. So, luckily for me, the fire code meant that I needed to have another means of escape out of the building. So, I head up to the roof access, and that lets more water in. And all those records in the attic got destroyed, which is fucking tragic, Insurance got so strapped that they rejected my claims for everything I had. I mean, I had an original Misfits Horror Business EP up there. Only 25 made, worth like $1,000 by itself. So I get to the roof, and I see this shitstorm going on, and I'm like, fuck it, insurance will deal with this. I-, I wait for the flooding to leave the streets. I get down the fire escape as S.H.I.E.L.D. is bringing in those giant men, and I head home after about an hour. Now, I figure you want me to talk about Doctor Strange. Stephen Jr. was all right as a neighbor. He wasn't loud like people think. Oh, this master of magic is going to be really loud, but he wasn't. If there was anything wrong with living next to him, it was the smell and the uh, the vibes. I don't want to sound like my parents, but the vibes were weird. I mean, the house, especially on those windy days, the smell would just burn into my apartment and stay for like a week. It wasn't like it was a smell, but it was like its own experience. I don't know, it's like a Chinatown markets on, like, a hot summer day, then run through, like, maybe a circus? I don't miss the smell. Or the feeling. Sometimes you'd be doing magic next door, and you'd hear things coming through the wall, screams and shit. I heard my own mother scream my name, I swear to God. Like, she told me she needed me to save her, so I go over there, and this Chinese dude, he's like, I think he's Steven's butler or something, he says... Please ignore the screams of your loved ones. It's a demon attempting to tear apart reality by recruiting you to its army. Have a quiche. And then he gives me an amazing broccoli quiche, which I have been unable to find anywhere. I still heard my mom screaming for another few hours, but that's its own year of therapy. So after the storm had hit, I got home at like six or seven, and the first thing I freaking saw was the car that ran through the skylight of Strange's place with energy coming out of like the shattered glass. Uh, Maybe I was just a bit jaded because I just headed into my apartment and started looking at the damage from the storm. Not too much later, there's an explosion, and I see the freaking Hulk out there with Spider-Man. Hulk killed all those people in Midtown, and so I knew Hulk could take on Doctor Strange. I said, fuck it. I got out of Greenwich as fast as I could. Like, you don't mess with the Hulk. I held up with a friend in Jersey for a few days. They had a basement flood, but that was it for damage. It wasn't even from the storm. Some pipe burst. Complete coincidence. When I got back, my apartment was gone. Just a crater was left. Insurance did pay that out. Not my record collection, but my brownstone was covered. It's been quiet since then. I mean, the new house is under construction, and when it's done, I'm going to move back in. Hopefully, whoever moves in next door will be cool. Yeah, that storm wave, it sticks with me. Sometimes when the rain gets hard, I smell that scent in the air like when Steven would be doing magic. Do I think Dr. Strange is dead? I mean, that's a weird question. Do I understand everything in this world? No. I mean, I live next to a man who fought literal demons. Do I believe reports that some demon popped his head off? Maybe. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if his corpse just got right back up and walked around went fighting with more magic or whatever. Uh, Maybe if the Hulk was the one who got him, then I'd believe that Stephen Strange stayed dead. He knew what was best.
14: You've been listening to part one of When the Pulls Reversed, a special multiverse Q documentary. When the Pulls Reversed was written by Luke Hare, who can be found on Twitter as at Coltregg. The Spider-Man Train was performed by Julian Ames. He can be found on Twitter as at Otto Ames. The Human Torch was played by Cameron Diordio. He can be found on Twitter as at Stop grammar time. The Cop was played by Devin Warner. He can be found on Twitter as at Fredo Fett. Principal Sutris was played by Adam Reck. He can be found on Twitter as at Arthur Stacy. Kitty Pride was played by Rebecca Parks. She can be found on Twitter as at Rebs Parks. Iceman was played by Jeffrey Golden. He can be found on Twitter as at Jeffrey Golden. Daredevil Saved Me was performed by Dan McMahon. He can be found on Twitter as at Dan the McMahon. Hank Pim's Enemy was performed by Jack David. They can be found on Twitter at, at TV. Zarda was played by Erin Langton. She can be found on Twitter as at Dia Aaron. The Thing was played by Mike Donahue. He can be found on Twitter as at sushi. Strange Josie was played by Janine Juliet. She can be found on Twitter at at Jeanine Juliet. The Triskelion Guard was played by Jen Overstreet. They can be found on Twitter at Street Over Jen. Valkyrie was played by Madison Rowan. She can be found on Twitter at at Quipster Rukuru. Reverend Stryker Jr. was played by Luke Hare. He can be found on Twitter as at The Worshipper was played by Miles Stokes. He can be found as part of x the X-Men. Jean Grey was played by Kaylee Hearn. She can be found on Twitter as at RonchCrunchRunch. Strange's Neighbor was performed by Dylan Roth. He can be found on Twitter as at Dylan Roth. Additional opening audio was provided by Cap Blackard. She can be found on Twitter as at Cap Blackard. Additional audio was also played by Kyle Wirtz, Andrew Young, and Dominic Griffin. They can respectively be found at at Mayor Wertz, at Hocus Plocus, and at AllNewDom. The music used in the episode was New York and I Love You by The Hell Yeah Babies, who can be found on Twitter as at Hell Yeah Babies. All other music was coincidental loops. All other news clips were swiped because we live in a chaotic world where disasters happen far too often. Next time, Ben Grimm goes on a fantastic voyage, Spider-Man faces the Hulk, the Ultimates and the X-Men face Magneto, and Nick Fury returns. Welcome back to the MVQ Pledge Drive. We hope that you've enjoyed the first part of the two-part slash four-part documentary mini-series on the effects of the ultimatum wave. Now, if you haven't considered donating yet to the MVQ pledge drive, we're here to tell you about some of the wonderful prizes that you can get. In fact, if you donate up to $100 a month, we will send you 10 DVDs. And Devin, do you know what's on those DVDs?
6: I believe they are movies.
14: Mm Mm-hmm. We will go to the local Blockbuster equivalent and get you 10 random DVDs from the dollar bin for only a pledge of $100 a month. Mm Mm-hmm. But maybe you're not in a position where that is possible. If you donate right now to our pledge drive for only $1 a month, you get access to... I'm I'm looking on here. No, it's not a tote bag. It's not a thank you card. You get bonus content. And right now there are over 20 hours of bonus content that are available through the MVQ Networks Patreon. Oh. We've got a call coming in right now. Devin, do you want to pick it up? Yes.
6: Hello, this is the MVQ Network. How can I help you? Hey yeah. Are you here to make a donation?
14: Yeah. wait, am I on air?
6: Oh you are, sir.
14: Uh Baba booey, baba booey, baba booey.
6: Sir, this is the family program. They they hung up.
14: Uh are, yeah. yeah. Our phone networks are open right now if you would like to make a call. Ah, Devin, it looks like we've got another call coming in right now.
6: Ah, good. MVQ, how can I help you? Are you here to make a donation to this wonderful pledge drive?
14: Bubabooi, baba Bubabooi. Baba
6: Sir, if you do not stop calling, this is harassment. I will inform the police. They hung up
14: again. Let's Let's put a block up on that number. Thank you, Terry. Uh, yeah. Well, right now, we are sitting at a reasonable amount for what we need uh, to continue bringing you great shows like Multiversal Q.
6: Exiled. Well, Exiled is currently over due to a writer's strike. But there's still wonderful, like, back episodes that you can watch. There are.
14: There's also Maybe
6: be- special features.
14: Mm-hmm. And actually, if we get to our next level that we we're trying to hit during this pledge drive, there is a promised exiled reunion. But <gasps> money that you're donating to this goes to other things like the unbearable weight of Nicholas Cage, a retrospective of actor, writer, thespian. Nicholas
6: Cage. And director. We haven't gotten to his directing yet, but we will. Mm Mm-hmm. Right now we are
14: sitting at $56 a month. And with your help and support, we can get that up even higher. In fact, if we're able to get to 20 patrons before the end of this pledge drive in two weeks... And change. We're going to have a special guest.
6: Can you reveal the name of that guest, Luke?
14: I can reveal a part of the name. Are you ready, (gasps) Devin?
6: Oh, yes. There is a letter E in the name.
14: (gasps) And that could be anybody. Famous astronaut Neil Armstrong. Mutant leader Charles Xavier anybody can you think famous astronaut buzz aldrin he doesn't have an e in his name ah darn Mm Mm-hmm. oh and here's one of our puppet friends coming to help us answer questions on the phone line because we've got another call coming in right now oh hello this is the mvq blood drive Yes, that's my name. Would you like to donate? <laughs> oh, if you aren't in a position where you can financially donate, because your reality is in a horrible nightmare dimension, you can do nice things. Like following the Twitter at at multiversalq.com But not the dot com. There's also a Facebook page. That's right, Baba Booey. And there's other nice things that you can do to help out. For example, you can leave us a review on iTunes or the podcatcher of your choice for this show or for any of the others that we do.
6: It goes away to raising that money.
14: It does. Now, Devin, do you know what happens if people donate $2 a month?
6: I believe we send them digital high fives.
14: Ah, yes. There's also early episodes of the podcast when available. And if you really love crunching the numbers, you get to see... Digital copies of all of your favorite character sheets
6: Do you have a favorite character sheet Luke? Uh Uh-huh. I think that the
14: mask sheets that were used for the latter half of Exiled are excellent. They were designed using Google slides
6: Those do sound like some good, good sheets. Mm Mm-hmm. And
14: if you were to donate for $5 a month, you unlock physical benefits, including sketches and other unlockable bonuses. But now, if you had $10 a month, do you know how much that would be if you donated $10 a month for an entire year, Devin?
6: That would be $130. Uh,
14: not even that much, Devin. It would be $120.
6: Oh. Yes. savings all, Savings already?
14: That is correct. That gets you a special benefit where you have special dibs when... I run role playing games on the brand new Discord server that I have, Coltrac's Event Space.
6: What goes on in Coltrac's Event Space? Crimes. Just crimes. That sounds good. Mm hmm.
14: And now, we'll be back, like we said, in two weeks for the rest of this documentary on Ultimatum. But for now, Devin, where can people find you online?
6: Well, you can find me online at Fred O'Feather. That's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. And Luke, where can people find you?
14: You can find me on Twitter at at Coltreg. That's K-O-L-T-R-E-G. Thank you for watching the first part of this documentary and listening to our spiel about MVQ's annual pledge drive. We hope that you've enjoyed the show, and we look forward to seeing you again. And our lines are still open. Oh, Devin, we're getting another call-in. Could you pick that
6: up? Oh, yes. Uh, MVQ, how can I help you?
14: While shopping for some cans, an old man passed away. He floated up towards heaven, but got lost along the
0: way.
6: They hung up. Uh, I'm getting my cell phone out now and texting someone. Are we ta- getting another call, Luke? Are we getting another call, Devin? I don't know. Ring, ring, ring. Oh, we what? are. I'm going to answer it. Hello, MVQ, how can I help you? Hello? Please,
14: help us make our goals so we can get Devin medical coverage for the ringing in his ears. His inability to pick up actual phone calls.
6: All right. That's a
7: serious problem. (laughs) It is.